Hi, and welcome to CSM Toolbox. This week's episode features Lisette Soderland, Director of Collaboration Superpowers. Lisette produces a regular podcast featuring interviews with remote working experts, highlighting the challenges and successes of working with virtual teams. Make sure to subscribe to her podcast. She's also the author of Work Together Anywhere and has given presentations at a wide range of events, from conferences and meetups all over the world to a TEDx talk in Kaunas, Lithuania. Collaboration Superpowers is a company that helps people work together from anywhere through online workshops. She'll be telling us more about it and her journey next. Join me and let's open that toolbox. For a good experience, because really with customer success is about creating connections with each other and connections happen when we're paying attention. Well, it is a pleasure for me to have uh, joining us today, uh, Lisette Soderland. How are you, Lisette? Good. I just got back from a vacation, so I'm feeling kind of like refreshed and energized after a week. So yeah, things are good. That's great. Yeah, I think we're in need of a holiday. <laughs> Many of us working remotely for sure. <laughs> um, for sure. I mean, that's a huge topic, actually, the whole well-being and, yeah. and all of that. But yeah, so I took extra vacation this year. And I recommend it to all remote workers who have been in lockdown for a while. Definitely. Yeah, no, we'll take that recommendation for <laughs> sure. And well, just to uh, kick things off, actually, and I was going to mention that as of today, at the time that we are recording this episode, your podcast, The Collaboration Superpowers, has 287 episodes. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. It's funny to look at them. It doesn't, time flew and all of a sudden you have like 287 episodes. So yeah. <laughs> and actually something that caught my eye and in this case, because it is a podcast, my ears, your podcast tagline is you interview people in companies doing great things remotely. What do you think we are still not doing so great? The biggest thing that I see is that there is a mind shift switch that needs to happen from going and being office first to being remote first. And what I mean by that is when we're office first, we think of the office as where we go to do work and everything else is sort of an other place, you know, whether it's home or wherever we are, co-working spaces, uh, lobbies, things like that. But everything is concentrated in the office. When we're remote first, the office becomes just one of the many different workplaces that people go to be remote. And, you know, when the pandemic hit and everybody went remote, there was sort of this remote first thinking because we had to. But that was really more survival mode. Like, how do we survive this? We didn't know how long it was going to last. But now that it's been going on a while, you know, most people don't want to go back to the office full time. We're just seeing that. And so... I think the thing that we're still not doing great is just this mindset shift. You know, there's a lot of bosses that want things to go back to normal and they mean normal as in how we were working before the pandemic. And I think what they don't realize is like, you know, the, the cat's out of the bag is an American saying. I don't actually know what it means now that I say it. the cat's out of the bag. Like, okay, but the cat's out of the bag, like, right, the ship has, has left. So mm. we are now in a new normal mm mindset shift needs to happen too with with organizations. So it's difficult because how do you change mindset in an organization or with the leadership? It's it's sort of a cultural change that mm -hmm. needs to happen. And so 
Well, we're not doing great as making that shift and seeing it as a change program within our organizations. Yeah. And even I think I, I wanted to take a second there on the mindset shift. And I, I'm not sure even talking to your guests and as well as your clients with your company, uh, Collaboration Superpowers, do you think when it is a mature organization versus a startup, or do you think that even maybe even a startup might have this close mind, mindset if we can if we can call it that do you think it might be related as well to culture or to the product or how mature the organization might be do you think there's something that will play into that mindset shift you know i i don't know whether it's like if you have a small company a startup versus a large company whether that matters so much except for that in a large company of course it's much more difficult to make the shift because it's so big right you have to make the shift on so many different levels where startups move rather quickly like they're known for being lean and they move fast and you know they're moving fast and breaking things so they're more experimental i should also mm -hmm. say so it mm -hmm. might just be easier for a startup But I really think that the mindset shift is the, the problem area is not size of company, but rather leadership. Is the mm -hmm. leadership in mm -hmm. the company willing to adopt or shift this mindset? If so, you know, people, people will follow because we know overwhelmingly that this is what people want. People want mm -hmm. more flexibility. They want the freedom to work when and where they're most productive. And sometimes it's the office. I mean, for plenty of people, it's the office. I'm not saying. Let's not go to the office. I just think um, the future of work is choice and people want to choose when and where to go to the, you know, when they want to go to the office and yeah, where else they're going to do their work. So it's really, I think the, the problem area is in the leadership in this case, at least that's where I'm seeing it in organizations. The workers are willing to make the shift because of mm. course they're getting freedom from it. So their reward for making this successful is huge, right? We get freedom to design our lifestyles around our work or just to, you know, choose our workspace or walk our kids to school, whatever it is. And so the workers are willing to do it. Leadership wants things to go back to the way it was. Just uh, looking at your content and listening to quite a few of your podcast episodes, I was thinking to myself that you were so ahead of ahead of your time, ahead of these remote times that we are all living in. I think there was an episode back in 2019 that I will link it into the show notes that I think talked about what to wear when working remotely. And that was early 2019. And when I when I was listening to that episode, I was like, oh, my God, Lisette was like envisioning this <laughs> working I mean, from home, working from anywhere <laughs> culture. I mean, I have to say, it's not that there's I'm definitely not a visionary in any way, shape or form. But for me, I mean, I love working from home mm. so much. And I it's funny that you bring up the, the what to wear, because that came from I used to work with this woman in California. We would co virtually co-work together. And actually, for 10 years, we worked together. We'd never met. And I finally met her just a couple of years ago. But we would just get together as like a work session. And I would do my thing. She would do hers. But we would like work together as sort of keeping each other company. And at one point we were talking about clothes because of course, yeah, we're girls. We're talking about like boys and clothes and like, you know, all kinds of fun things. And, and I was saying, well, like some things don't really look good on camera. And so we decided to do this 30 day try on a thon, we called it, where we wanted to see like, if you got dressed up, what worked for the camera, mm. did people treat you differently? Because, you know, I was in my yoga clothes at home and 
Like, so I thought, oh, if I get dressed up, will people treat me differently? And it turned out that it actually mattered. Like after mm -hmm. 30 days of dressing with different patterns and I mean, we were just having a good time, mm -hmm. you know, just get like wearing different outfits because working from home, you could just be in your yoga clothes all day. So it was like an excuse to get dressed up for us. But we learned a, a number of things. One is that patterns and things like that matter. And then jewelry can matter. You know, if you have earrings and they're clanging against the headset and that, it could really interfere with the, with the call. And so we were learning that. We also learned that, one, we took ourselves more seriously when we got dressed up for work, like it felt more professional just personally and that our clients were treating us differently online. Like they were taking us more seriously because we looked more professional. And it was really like it started out as a silly project, the 30 day triathlon, but uh, it ended up like we learned a lot from it. So that's where that came from. And it was a, yeah. it was a fun time with the discretion. Yeah, that is great context for that episode. But yeah, as I said, I'll link that in the show notes as well. So our listeners will look at uh, that one as well. And now going back to your company, Lisette's Collaboration Superpowers, what problem are you trying to solve with Collaboration Superpowers? So as I was preparing for this, I was like, oh, that's a really good question. Like, what are we doing? And, you know, our tagline is we help people work together anywhere. So the problem that we saw, you know, the, the main problem that we solve is, of course, how do you work together from anywhere? So that's the problem. But really the problem that we're solving is or that I'm trying to solve is I want people to be happier at work. Like, I think that it doesn't have to be like and I say this because I used to wake up every day to go to this job that I hated. And it was every day you wake up and it was like, oh, my God, you know, like time to make the donuts. There's this old commercial about donuts. But, you know, so it was just like and then I would go and I would sit in this gray cubicle all day and do the work and then go home. And it just felt like the life was being drained out of me. And I thought that there had to be a better way. Now, it turns out that for me, environment is really important. Like the where I work, it, I like it to be beautiful. And it felt like it has to be that every day. But when I was going into this cold, gray office every day, one, it wasn't beautiful and inspiring. And two, I just hated going. I felt like I was in a day prison. Like most of the work, I just sat at my desk at my computer anyway. I could have been doing it anywhere. So I just felt like I was in a day prison. And when I started working from home, this whole new world opened up for me. And I started to understand like, oh, you could be happy at work. So really mm -hmm. what the problem that we're trying to solve at Collaboration Superpowers is we want people to be happier at their jobs because when we're happy at our jobs, we do great things together. Like we cure cancer, we solve global climate problems, we You know, we get through the pandemic together. We can do really good things. So ultimately, it's happiness at work and enabling people to do really good things together because the things that we need in order to solve big problems, it's not going to come from the people sitting in the room in Indianapolis somewhere, <clears throat> right? It's going to come from knowledge, from different places, a diversity of thought and life experiences and Yeah, it's just never going to be. It might be in the same place, but mm. I think most often that it's not. So I'm kind of inspired by that. Yeah, no, and I think what you said there about just the people being happy, and I think maybe it goes back even to the, that well-being of the employees, of even if it's and it, it doesn't necessarily need to be an individual contributor, but as well their managers, and obviously that that reflects on the company culture, how much they look after or how much they, yeah, how much they look after 
their employees, the, how much they consider well-being into part of the strategy, which I think now it's more talked about now that we are working remotely. But yeah, for sure, you um, you cover a really good point there in terms of that employee happiness. Well, happiness, you know, it's interesting because happiness is different for everybody mm -hmm. and everybody has a different reason for going to work. And, you know, for some people, it's solving really challenging problems. Like that's mm -hmm. why they're there. They want to dig in and they want to solve the puzzle. For others like me, it's more about who I'm working with rather than what I'm working on. So I get the people around me that I, you know, if it's a great team, I'm happy. Like it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what we're doing. It's mm -hmm. the team. For other people, it's just a job, mm -hmm. right? And that's also fine. Like they're mm -hmm. going to work, they're going to do their job and then they go home and they're doing something totally different. But happiness, so it comes from understanding everybody's intrinsic motivations to come to work in the first place. So, you know, for me, when I say happiness at work, it's I want to give people the flexibility of bringing their best selves to work based on what motivates them to come to work. Because, mm -hmm. you know, for the person where it's just a job, you're not going to motivate them with inspiring speeches or office parties like that they don't care about that stuff at all mm -hmm. so it's really important like with happiness to understand that the intrinsic motivator is the important thing to really focus on with happiness from your experience as an expert uh, facilitator that for uh, well for our audience in this case in customer success we deliver training, onboarding product, onboarding, we host webinars, etc. So in terms of, and I will say that the majority will be even experts in the product that we are demonstrating, but definitely we could benefit from top tips uh, from, as I said, from an expert, expert facilitator as yourself. So when it comes to audience engagement, what will be your top three tips for us that you will give um, our audience? Okay, so the first thing that I always think of is you want to design for engagement for whatever event that you're doing. Like, don't mm -hmm. just leave it to chance. So like, for instance, if it's a workshop, mm -hmm. you're going to want to use whiteboards mm -hmm. and breakout rooms and, you know, different different things. If it's a, uh, if it's a meeting, mm -hmm. you're going to want to start with an icebreaker question for example, mm -hmm. to get everybody talking because science shows when people have spoken once, they're more likely to speak again. You know, so that's one way that you can get more engagement and things out of a meeting. Or if like you're doing a webinar, you ask yourself, what is the audience there for? Like why, mm -hmm. if you're doing a webinar for an audience, why are you not pre-recording it and just letting people watch a recording, right? What is the purpose mm -hmm. of the audience being there to begin with? So maybe it's that you have poll questions because you want to get some feedback from the audience along the way. You know, like what are what are some of the things about the audience that you'd want to know or what are some of the things that they should know about each other or, you know, activities for people to do uh, while they're in the webinar to sort to to engage. So my first tip, I guess, is design for engagement. Really think about the event that you're going to have. And when we're doing virtual events, it's a little bit There's more preparation needed, I feel, than for an in-person event. In person, you've got all the senses mm -hmm. and all the stuff, but virtual, you really need to plan for it. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step, design for engagement. The second one is the, it's, a, it's an interesting, I get this from Zig Ziglar, who is like a mm -hmm. famous U.S. sales guy. He does all the sales and he says, 
Always Think in WIIFM Radio, which means what's in it for me. <laughs> so when you're thinking about like your invitations to your audience, to your customers, the whatever, you know, whether it's a meeting or a webinar or a workshop, think of it. What do they get when they join you at any of those mm. events? What is it that you're offering? Because, you know, you see all the time, like, join my webinar. <laughs> but I'm like, what? Like, what's in it for me? Instead, you want to <laughs> say, like, join me and learn the top 10 tips for <laughs> best customer success stories ever. <laughs> you know, so you want to say what's in it for them. So that's and that's part of engagement. Right. So that's <laughs> the, but that's talking in your audience terms. And then I would say the third one is really learn new skills for being online. Think of online as a different medium of work than in person, right? It's a new art form. So you're going to need new skills. And I would say, you know, your infrastructure is more important. You need a good webcam and good lighting to make yourself look good. Because if, for instance, if you've got that, if you've got the window behind you and you've got that witness protection program look going on, <laughs> you know, yeah. like people can't see you or they can't yeah. see your expressions, you're just seeing an outline. Science shows that the engagement is lower with people mm. that we can't see. So, you know, you want to make yourself visible. It doesn't, you know, in your outfits, you don't want them to be distracting. I mean, those are all minimal things, but really it's all the little things that build up for a good experience because really with customer success is about creating connections with each other and connections happen when we're paying attention. Yeah, we want to, we want to be visible and you want to learn new skills about how to be online. So I would say to people, if you never taken like an online facilitation course, you should totally try mm -hmm. one and just see, mm -hmm. like add some of those tools to your toolbox. When I start, first started taking workshops in online facilitation, it was delightful to see all the new little things that you could learn, right? Like, oh, here's how you express yourself online, like hand gestures and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. So I would say definitely learn the skills of online facilitation. Think of it as a new medium of work. Those are great tips. And even just recently, I think a week or two weeks ago as well, I just uploaded a short episode uh, on that. Well, touching more on the product demonstration sites, but as well, how it is different now communicating over video versus maybe going on site with a customer, which obviously we still need to be engaging uh, as well, uh, since we will be face to face. But I think now, as you said, now we need to incorporate even new skills and even more more of a setup because we are doing more things remotely, more things over video, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I used to give workshops. I used to have this super small one-bedroom apartment and my bed, I mean, it was one room. Everything was in one room. So my bed was right behind my desk. It was the only possible place that it could have gone. But, you know, I give professional workshops online and that's mm -hmm. the last thing that I want people to see when they're doing an online workshop with me is my bed, right? It's just not professional. So mm -hmm. I started exploring the background options. This was way before virtual backgrounds and mm -hmm. stuff. So But things like that, like all these little things that you don't think about when you're going online, like it's, a, it's good to think about those. Where do you see the future of remote collaboration? So yeah, that is such a big question because I, of course, have no idea where it's going. But where I hope it's going is that people have more freedom to design their lifestyles around the things that they love. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my friend, my, a friend of mine is training for a triathlon and he could never do that before when he worked in an office from nine to five. There just wasn't enough time. Mm -hmm. Now he can sort of split his time for doing that. You know, another friend of mine 
he used to have to pay someone to take his daughter to work because the office required him to be there before her school started and they wouldn't they wouldn't wait. And so he had to pay somebody else. So for him, it was just the freedom to take his daughter to work. So I see the this remote first world offering more freedom to people for, for just that, designing their lifestyles, but also more opportunities for pe connecting people and work. Because now, for instance, one group that I, I never thought of until I did an interview with from with Bree Reynolds from Flex Jobs, and she was mentioning that there's a lot of military spouses out there hmm. who have to give up their careers because their partners are required to move from place to place like every year, every two hmm. years or something. And it's just really impossible for them to keep a job. With remote, it doesn't matter. They could hmm. deploy anywhere and still be able to keep the job. Or for instance, disabled people hmm. who are not able to physically go to another location for one reason or another, but they're perfectly capable of working. So I just feel like there's more freedom, there's more opportunities for more people, and hopefully it allows us to solve big problems. Like there's a lot of things going on in the world. There's a lot of social unrest, like people are still going hungry, you know, like people aren't getting educated properly. Like there, I feel like if we could really harness the power of the good intentions of people from all over the world, that we can make a world in which there's nobody who has to go hungry or, or has to suffer you know, we could really do great things together. So I, that's, that's where I'm hoping that the future of remote collaboration goes. I will say that still companies will resist to the idea and they will still think of, okay, office space or hybrid, but they might miss out on talent that are going to prefer that work from anywhere, work from home setup. It will be interesting to see as well what happens that companies will have to adapt. Well, and I think a lot of companies are afraid that people are going to just like run off and join the circus and start traveling the world and become <laughs> digital nomads, right? And they just have people everywhere. But that is not the case. Mm. Most people just want a little bit of freedom in their schedule. Mm. And as professionals, I feel like we should trust people to get the work done that they say that they're going to do. And I'm sure that if that means going into the office, then you will go into the office if that's what it takes to do your job properly, mm -hmm. right? Like there's some days you're going to have to be there with your team. And I think any, like there's some days that I have to travel to give presentations. I'm perfectly mm -hmm. willing to travel to do my work as well. So I think that there's a, that the fear that managers have is, is a, it's a little bit unrealistic. Most people just want a little flexibility. Mm -hmm. There's, we don't want to run off and join you know, so there, there's always going to be some digital nomads and these kind of things out yeah. there, but but it's that's not the norm, mm -hmm. at least not yet. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And well, before I let you go, Lisa, it's something that I ask uh, all of my guests. So what's in your toolbox? What mobile or web app you cannot live without? So I was trying to think of something that your guests may not have heard of already. <laughs> and, and actually, it is a tool that I am a super fangirl of right now, and it's called Mm-hmm, which is a terrible name. It's spelled M-M-H-M-M dot app. So M-M-H-M-M dot app. So Mm-hmm. Now, what it allows me to do is present like a weather woman. So I could, in my window, instead of sharing my screen, like on mm -hmm. Zoom, where you share your screen and then everybody just sees your screen mm -hmm. and your little teeny tiny videos, it allows me to be like a newscaster or a weather woman and I can show my screen slides on the screen. And I think people underestimate how much more engaging <laughs> it is to have to watch a presentation or a webinar in that format 
because it's not just a voice in a slide anymore. It's, I mean, that's why newscasters present in this same way, right? You never see a newscaster with just slides and the voice. You always see them with their selves and the slides because it's a different medium of work and they have mastered what it takes to be engaging. So this app, if you're giving webinars or sales presentations, or you're just really trying to connect with a customer, an app like this, it's a game changer. And I just said they have a, you know, it's, I am not affiliated with them at all. So I get nothing from them. But I, I've really noticed that it definitely increases the engagement. It's a wow factor. And it, you don't you don't have to be a techie to learn it. You know, it's super simple. It works without most tools. Microsoft Teams, not yet, but they're always behind the times, right? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan. I just think it's a great way to engage your audience. So if you're a customer success manager, go ahead and try it and tell them I sent you. So at least they know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. How to give it a go. And, and I will find, um, I will, I will link it as well into the show notes. Anything outside work uh, as well that you, that you like any, any apps that you use? Oh man. Oh man, apps outside of work. Okay, so here's one that is also unusual is that during quarantine, I noticed mm. that I was starting to gain weight, right? Mm. Because we were locked down in our houses and you can only do as, you know, so many jumping jacks in your living yeah. room. Right before yeah. things. So I was going to get like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to, to gain weight. So I found an app called Copilot. And oh. what it does is it paired me up with a personal trainer and it's a guy named Cody. He's in Ohio. I've never met him. But he assigns me workouts via this app every week based on my personal goals, which was just to become more muscular. Like, like I didn't want to, I just wanted to, I just felt flabby mm-hmm. after the quarantine, right? So it requires like you get an iWatch, so I got an iWatch and he can actually record my workout while I'm doing it. He can see if I'm swinging my kettlebells oh. too high or if I'm doing too, my pushups too fast. So yeah, so over the quarantine, I mean, I've managed to lose like five kilos over. Okay. The, the last year just using this app. So personally, I'm really into this. And I know I can just watch videos on YouTube mm. and just find, you know, kettlebell workouts on YouTube. But for some reason, no random guy in Ohio is watching and he's going to yeah. comment on my workout. I've not, I have not missed a workout yet since last year. Like I keep doing the workout. So that's an app that I really love. It's a virtual personal trainer. And if you're a remote worker and you're not moving enough and you need a little bit of accountability, I can highly recommend it. I'm totally in love with the app. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, no, I haven't heard of that one before. And yeah, I totally agree. It's very hard just going into the gym and doing my own thing. I do prefer either classes or have that personal trainer for sure. I do relate to that completely. So yeah, no, great apps. Thank you so much, Lisette. Is there any way that for people to find you, will you prefer them to reach out to you via LinkedIn or Twitter? What will be your, your preferred way? Well, I'm on all the platforms, but I am completely overwhelmed with <laughs> messages. So yeah. if people really want to get a message through to me, the best way is via email. And my email address is on my website. Okay. Um, so it's super easy to find. It's on the contact page. But You know, LinkedIn and Twitter, I will see them, but then I forget because I just get so many coming in. So definitely email is my preferred choice, but please do connect on social media. Yeah. And I will link that as well in the show notes. So it was a pleasure talking to you, Lisette, and I wish you all the best. Thanks so much for a great conversation, Isabel. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank you.
Esse podcast foi editado por Aerolitos, edição inteligente. Música